Welcome to Book Squad Goals, where we're all fine. <laughs> we all feel great about things. And everything's great. Here again. <laughs> this week, we're talking about We Set the Dark on Fire, a YA novel by Taylor K. Mejia. And we're going to spoil it. So, like, right away. Ready to be spoiled. Right away. Yeah. In fact, the intro question, I'm going to have to spoil some stuff immediately. Oh. So. The intro Not question is, spoilers. would you rather be... Huh? Not huge spoilers, but... Yeah. Not yet. Time. Would you rather be a Primera or a Segunda? So, mm. we have to explain what those terms are. They're from the book. Um, does someone else want to do this? Or do you want me to keep talking? You're doing great. I think you're doing great. Yeah, you're killing okay, it. Okay, thanks. 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 Um, okay, so these are the Primera and the Segunda are the two types of wives you can be uh, if you're rich in the world of this book. Um, the Primera is the partner wife, um, but really only in social and intellectual worlds. Um, she keeps the household running and is known for being intelligent and having control over her emotions. Uh, that sounds hard. They're, then the Segunda is, um, I said, basically the hot one. Um, they're like an emotional support partner, and they're the one that um, carry and raise children for the family, and they're known for being sensual and freely expressing their emotions. And in the case of Carmen, being hot. Yeah. The Primera so is the sun... <laughs> And the Segunda is the moon. Mm, true. Um, we all know the moon's hot. Yeah. yeah. Well, the moon is is lady parts. <laughs> um, okay. I'm Kelly. Uh, I'll start. I, which is probably a bad idea because I haven't really decided after thinking about it all day which one I would prefer. Um... I think, so, like, the thing is, the Primera has to do all of the hard work, right, of uh, scheduling and all that stuff. But also, like, having to have sex all the time with someone who you maybe don't even like at all is also hard work. So, which hard work would I rather do? I guess if, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, it. How good do I have to be at convincing the person that I'm enjoying the sex, you know? Like, how much acting do I have can to do? Can I just be present? Yeah. Like, if I can just lay there and kind of, like, stare at the ceiling, then, yeah, I'll I'll be the segunda. But if I'm expected to have, like, a theatrical response every time, um, and we all know that you're probably... I mean, you don't get to choose your husband, is the thing. The husband... And his family, I guess, chooses you. Mm-hmm. There's like a draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like an NFL draft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you yeah. know. And the maybe... ladies in this book were first round picks. Yeah, they right. were. <laughs> maybe <laughs> your husband will be hot. But even so, he might be a terrible person. He might have no sense of humor. He might be really bad at sex. Um. There are so many terrible things he could be. So I guess, ultimately, I would rather be the Primera. I think I'd be better at that. 
I think if I was in this world and I, w- I had to be one of them, like someone was going to make me be one of them, they would choose me as the Primera. I don't think I really give off Segunda vibes, to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I guess we should note that, like, if this was happening to us, we wouldn't actually get to choose yeah. that's, what we that's were. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, I can go next. Um, I'm Emily. Um, I thought maybe it would be good for me to go next because I, I kind of decided when we picked this question, like, I'm going to say Segunda because I don't think a lot of people are thinking that that's what they're going to go with. And I would like to try to make the argument that it might be better. Um, so I think the main thing that really gets me with the Primera versus the Segunda is the emotional thing. Um, because I think, and this is something that um, I've had arguments with previous partners about before, but I think the um, emotional support in a relationship is often um, undervalued and it's really important. And I can't imagine having to spend an entire life in a relationship where like I wasn't um, giving or receiving emotions of any kind. Um, <laughs> and like, obviously like with the Segunda, the, the primary person who is giving the emotional support is the Segunda and not the husband. However, um, emotions are valued in a Segunda and it, you're developing relationships at least with like your children or like some sort of people. So you are having that emotional connection. And I feel like I might go crazy if I didn't have that. Um, and like, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't like your husband right away, but you might end up liking him and then you get to have sex at least. And it doesn't seem like the premier does. So, well, counter argument. (laughs) You could have sex with the Segunda. You're not mm. supposed to. Yeah, I mean, we're talking legal, legal moves here. I mean, uh, <clears throat> but yeah. assuming you so. follow the rules I... and you don't um, start or participate in a rebellion. Yeah. Yes. It's hard. I mean, I think like we're meant to believe, right? That there's not like we're not either. Because it's insane to think about splitting up a personality that way. Everybody's a little bit organized. Everybody's a little bit emotional. But, like, if I had to pay... This is Mary, by the way. The hard thing is, is, like... Huh? This is Mary, by the way. Oh, yeah. That's Mary. (laughs) I am really emotional, and I don't think I could rein it in. Yeah. That's my problem. But also, I love planning things. I don't know when it was like you're gonna you're gonna oversee my mail. I was like, I don't know, that sounds fun. Did you pick Primera? I, yeah, I'm gonna say Primera. Neither sounds great. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not saying it's great, but I'll pick Primera. <laughs> saying it's great. Nobody's nobody yeah. wants to do this. Either way, you're in an arranged marriage. Yeah. Let me let just... me sort that mail. Yeah. Fine, I'll be over in the corner crying because I because I can crying and sucking a dick. That's right, and wearing so pretty clothes. Yeah, 
<laughs> silk bathrobes. Mm-hmm. I'm Susan, and earlier today, I really thought I was going to say Primera, but Emily, come on over to my team. Like single-handedly, really made me think about it. <laughs> Let's split the group in half. But but the idea of having to be the one that like stays home with potentially like lots of kids while the other person just gets to go out and socialize even if it's like fake socializing i just don't think i could do that in the end so while the sex thing would suck i think i would figure out a way (laughs) to break rules and still be the primera Mm. i mean i would be bad at it because i can't control my emotions even like for one day I am curious sort of like what the other Primeras and Segundas look like, like not the first round draft. Yeah. But the, you know, like the 10th round pick. I feel like all the Segundas kind of have to be hot because like they're basically presented to the husbands as like, this is your little piece, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah. I don't think it matters what the Primera looks like. So messed up. Also, if you're a Segunda, then wouldn't there be pressure to stay hot? Yeah. That's yes. nice. Like, if you're a Primera, you can really let yourself go, which sounds great. But can you, though? Because you have to be, like, the, <laughs> Emily's the like, yeah, face been of, hot, like, so. <laughs> like, you still have to go out and socialize and be, like, yeah. presentable. So I feel like you still have to stay. You have to be, like, a businesswoman. Yeah. Which here's the no here's the moral yeah to let that's what I was gonna go. say here's the moral of this yeah, story but no one is would like women me to look hot. have to look hot no matter what they do so <laughs> maybe I would be the person who isn't part of the society and I'm just like a market woman selling tomatoes <laughs> Mary that wasn't an option that wasn't the game <laughs> well okay first of all if we really were someone. In the book, we would probably be on the other side of that wall. I would be for sure be a peasant, <laughs> Just being broke, and yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like you don't have to be like super poor to no. be a peasant. It just sounds like everyone who's not like really bonkers rich yeah. is a peasant, which is so what, yeah. close that's to where what we really are. And we all in that world, I guess, married yeah. for love. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's great. All We're right. all fine here. Yeah. We're the feeling great. The middle class totally exists. Yeah. Like we said earlier, we're fine. We are reigning in our emotions. Absolutely fine. <laughs> As we learned in this book. Okay. This is the Goodreads summary. Ooh, okay. At the Medio School for Girls, distinguished... What? No, I was just saying, ooh. What? Goodreads summary. Oh, okay. Go for it. At the Medio School for Girls, distinguished young women are trained for one of two roles in their polarized society. Depending on her specialization, a graduate will one day run a husband's household or raise his children, but both are promised a life of comfort and luxury far from the frequent political uprisings of the lower class. Daniela Vargas is the school's top student, but her bright future depends upon no one discovering her darkest secret, that her pedigree is a lie. Her parents sacrificed everything to obtain forged identification papers so Danny could rise above her station. Now that her marriage to an important politico's son is fast approaching, she must keep the truth hidden or be sent back to the fringes of society where famine and poverty rule supreme. 
On her graduation night, Danny seems to be in the clear despite the surprises that unfold, but nothing prepares her for all the difficult choices she must make, especially when she is asked to spy for a resistance group desperately fighting to bring equality to Medio. Will Danny cling to the privilege her parents fought to win for her or give up everything she's strived for in pursuit of a free Medio and a chance at forbidden love? Mm. And just a quick note, the sequel to this book, We Unleash the Merciless Storm, came out this February, and uh, it looks like I read the summary of that too, and it looks like Carmen is the main character there. So if you liked this, you might like to get the other perspective. My paperback had a um, first chapter in the back of it from Carmen's perspective, which I read. Mm. Wow, look at you. You with that paperback. Yeah. I'm really like ahead of the well, game. Well, we're not going to talk about that chapter, just so you know. Extra credit. Nobody else read it. Extra credit. I listened to the audiobook. <laughs> they didn't do that for me. They didn't give me that chapter. It's, it's really sad for you. I had a hardback and I don't remember. I think I just bought a hardback because it was the same price. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I love a paperback, as we know. It's fair. I read it on a Kindle, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> really well, we all it up did here. different versions. Wow. <laughs> we truly are just four unique personalities coming together to make a beautiful whole. <laughs> okay, so since we started out by talking about these roles, Premier and Segunda, let's talk more about them in depth um, and just the roles that women are relegated to in this society, at least the rich ones. Um and what do those roles mean for the people who have to fill them? And what power or lack of power do those roles give them? Well, so we only get sort of an inner perspective of Danny. But, and you know, she spent most of the novel being like, I'm not really supposed to be here. But like, who is supposed to be there? You know, like nobody is born just being one or the other. And so all of these girls are having to fit a predetermined mold in order to be marriageable. Yeah. So like, I don't. I don't know. I I have so many questions about, like, how did they... What did the school look like? How did they determine who was who? Yeah, I was kind of disappointed because from reading this description and reading about it, I thought more of it was going to be at the school. Yeah, it was really only at the school for, like, the first couple of chapters. (laughs) Yeah, and that was pretty much it. Um, Like, we... Mm -hmm. I I feel like we didn't get... Because I love school books. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we didn't get a lot of, like, the status quo before we got into, like, here's the rebellion. Yeah. It was, like, immediately first page, rebellion is happening. And I was like, I would like to know a little bit more about, like, what we're rebelling against first. Right. Like, okay, not that... Not that The Hunger Games is great literature, because I personally believe that book sucks, but <laughs> in Hunger Games, you get, like, a whole book of status quo before the revolution Oh, starts. I like it. I personally you know? believe that um, book sucks. <laughs> okay, if you like Hunger Games, it is a direct ripoff of Battle Royale. Don't at me. Battle Royale. Hey. Well, I, maybe I would like that, too. You would love it. It's you probably so good. would. It's so good. You want to or not. <laughs> you know, Americans be ripping off the Japanese like all the time. 
And then, and then, what's her face who wrote Hunger Games tried to act like she'd never heard of Battle Royale before. And I was like, girl, please. Oh my god, that's You have the exact, like, no. You have the exact same plot. If I heard of Battle Royale in high school, Suzanne Collins has heard of it. Right, especially like, okay, you had people read that book for you. Like, you, when you are writing a book, you have people read for you. And one of the things people do when they read a yeah. book for you is they say, like, oh, this reminds me of X. So you're telling me that nobody who read that book was like, have you heard of Battle Royale? Because this is a direct ripoff of that. Nobody yeah, nobody that? who worked okay. for a publishing company was reading your yeah. book and thought, hey, this is, like, this other famous and popular book. Um, but anyway. 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 <laughs> All of this is to say, the one thing that I think Hunger Games does really well is they set up the status, like, the whole first book is basically, like, the status quo, like, this is how this world works, and when you're working in something where the world is, like, so different, and so interesting, because I think we are interested in how this world works, like, I wish we could have seen more of that before we started the rebellion. Just getting my critique out of the way right away. Yeah. I agree. Um, I kind of wanted some more information. I just felt like if Danny felt like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here, probably a lot of girls did. I mean, probably everybody is just internally screaming. Yeah, like how many of these, like, do they take girls who are from really rich families and and send them to the schools? Like, and does every girl end up at the school? Like, every girl in all of these families? And if so, like, I don't know. It just seems, it seems like the women, I mean, I, and I guess this is part of it is that like, even the women who are born into these high society families are forced into basically a form of slavery and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. nothing you do can save you from that. And it's almost better to be poor or part to be poor and not sent for like that's what i'm confused about too with her her parents being like oh we're gonna send you to a better life and better opportunities like so the opportunity is just to like have money like that's it (laughs) because yeah like what would her life have been like if she had stayed home that is like it is slavery you know yeah it's like, yes, she will have money and be comfortable, but, like, it's like, they're like, we're sending you to have opportunities, and it's like an opportunity to what, exactly? Just have money. Like, but also be trapped mm-hmm. in whatever situation you end up in. Well, money and generally, like, more rights. I mean, I yeah. guess, but, like, do you have more rights? Yeah, we just don't, we don't really know, like, what life looks like, like, what was her life like growing up, that this life would be so much better. Right, she seems to have fond memories of her childhood. Right. Hear me out here. Okay. This is just a lot. <laughs> right? It's like we've got one society that's like, oh, we are poor, and so all that matters is getting money, even if you have to lie and steal to do it. 
And then we've got another person who's like, I have all this money, but I'm in yeah, prison. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I hear it's not you. like a direct one-to-one, but like, I don't know. And, and I mean, I guess the thing is, like, we just need to know more. But I feel like it's kind of a hallmark of why literature to not give all that detail. Because they're like, we just got to get into the plot. Yeah. We got to get yeah, going. It's just hard to fully buy into the world when I don't have a full sense of it. And there are parts, there are, it feels like there are chunks missing from my understanding of it. We do get that, like, set up at the very beginning, though, of, like, how this marriage arrangement came to be. Right. Myth. Which I'm just going to say I love a creation story. I love a creation story, and I love it even more when it's like you read it, and then they're like, and that's why this happened. You're like, oh, no, I didn't get that at all from that story. Mary... Maybe you can tell the story real fast. Yeah, I mean, basically, it seemed to me like the story was there was this god, and he had a wife, the son, right? The son? But then, also, he thought the moon was hot, and he was like, I guess I'm just going to have a little tiny affair. With the moon. And then when they found out about each other, he was like, but you guys are both really yeah. cool. You can't have one without like, the other. Like, you just other. do different things for me. Yeah, I need both of uh, yeah, you. Yeah, I feel like there was, at some point, a hu- like, humans involved, or the, the sun and the moon turned into humans. I, yeah. Yeah. But so, and then... It's like, and that's why all humans have yeah. to have two wives. <laughs> like, and I was like, wait, quite, what? Quite a leap there. I just don't know how you end up at like, we all need two wives from that story. Because it sounds like a dude got caught cheating and then tried to like yeah. say some stuff. No, it absolutely Get out is. of it. But I think the point of that is like, hey, look how people just use like some like religious story to justify. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever Which they want to do. happens now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is how people justify controlling women's bodies. That's how people justify a lot of bad things <laughs> that they mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. especially yeah, people would... who are in charge of other people. You can't tell on the podcast because it's an audio audio medium, but I am just giving a thousand yard <laughs> stare. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to know about the in between part between that like myth happening and like the present day like who was the first person to be like well so that guy did that thing and i think maybe we should all do it (laughs) that guy walked so we the humans yeah he had two wives wives for everybody you know what that's i want that too it's like the song two phones by todrick hall familiar (laughs) me neither it, the whole premise is like I've got two phones. One is for business, and one is for sex. Pleasure. Stuff. Yeah, and so it's like I got two phones, got two Interesting. wives. Hmm. One's for business. Maybe this author listened to Todd or Call. I wouldn't put it past. Maybe you know when readers were 
looking over this book, they really should have stopped and been like, this is kind of a ripoff of Todrick Hall. <laughs> Much like the Hunger Games ripped off Battle yeah. Royale. <laughs> yes, thank you for making that connection. Much like. Yes, yes. Um, you know, wow, I knew really there was a reason I brought that up. answered Susan's first discussion question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of did. We're off the rails now. It's okay. Look. Listen, everything's off the rails. Are there rails Always. anymore? We no. like to see the discussion questions as more of a, a guide and not like like a guideline, just like a sort of um, the discussion path that we can wander off of if we see something interesting. Yeah. yeah. We're on a path, but we saw some pretty flowers and we decided to go pick them. But we can get back on the path if you want. But on that note, I'll just go to the next question, though, because... Back on the path. We need, we need one guidepost. Yeah. So, <laughs> this book has been called Timely. Uh, and it's easy to see why. There is a literal border wall that separates the wealthy parts from the outer island. And if you cross that border, trying to get a better life, you might just get shot. <laughs> So, uh, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's, like, pretty real. Um, So, what's this book saying about that class divide and religious divide and then immigration? The Mm. divides are There's a lot going on. And you should not have them. (laughs) (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, what Kelly said. That sounded good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, I do think, I mean, also there's the the fact that once you cross over, you can't go back. Like, which yes. is si- mm-hmm. oh, like very similar to our own immigration policies where people make their way over here. And then if you are living in this country as an undocumented immigrant, if you leave, like, you can't get back in. If you try to go home and see your family, mm-hmm. you can't get back in. So people come here, and then they won't see their family for years. They might, like, the last time they see their family might be the last time they ever see their family. Um, And, yeah, like, that is the idea of, of sending, like, people uh, – in Central or South America who are sending family members or their children up to the United States, like, with the promise of a better life. But then they get to the United States and that better life is uh, nowhere to be seen (laughs) Um, (laughs) often. And that's kind of a lot of what's happening here. Uh, So... But then there there are the people yeah. who do get into the school and who are able to get into these, like, higher-ranking families. But it's still, as we said, although, you know, you have less reason to complain, I suppose, if you are, you know, well-off and all of that. But it's, is it worth it? And what are you leaving behind? And what are you risking? And are like what is what actually is important to you in your life and that's kind of like what danny has to figure out is does she want to like what i found interesting about this is that 
she has been a part of this system for so long and been at the school for so long that she, like, doesn't really see any problem with it at all. Um, mm-hmm. until she gets kind of involved in this rebellion by accident and then she starts to do some critical thinking and kind of realize, like, that this isn't okay. But But what I also found interesting is that they don't do a lot of talking about why this is bad for women. Like, there's not a lot of discussion between the characters. Like, obviously, we can see why it's bad for women, and I think, like, the author is aware of why it's bad for women, but the characters themselves aren't really talking about that. They're more talking about the class struggles. Um, But, like, the idea that this entire society is based on, like, women as, you know, slaves... Uh, isn't really commented on by anyone. Well, it's like, it seems sort of slavish to us because we're with Danny and she's like, I'm a Primera, but I'm not really a Primera. I'm just keeping this facade up because it's what I have to do. And also, Mateo, her husband, is like a real jerk and isn't (laughs) treating her like a Primera is supposed to be treated. Like, supposedly, she's supposed to be his intellectual mm-hmm. equal. And they are supposed to sort of, like, plan things <laughs> together. And she's supposed to, like, talk to him about his business and stuff. But he refuses to do that. Now, that doesn't mean anything good for the Segunda. Because it still, like, reinforces the idea of, like, you're just the emotional child Well, and bearer. also, you <laughs> but, know, get the impression that the Segunda doesn't really have a choice about when or how or where sex occurs. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem... I mean, obviously, Carmen, you know, spoiler, like, knows... Like, she is in this because... She is a spy, and so she is, like, you know, having sex with him and, you know, aware that, like, she's, like, I don't, she doesn't want to, but she already knows that she's going to, despite not wanting to, rather than it being, you know, someone taking her forcibly, for example. Like, she wants to... She's not supposed to be having sex with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess that's true. Um, Wait, so what was the deal? They're supposed to be like a courtship for like two years or something like that. They get married. The Premiera immediately is like, "I'm going to work with you on business," and then like two or three years later, he gets to have sex with the Segunda because they're just like too young at the time or something. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my question guess. is: Are you are you allowed to opt out? If you are part of, like, a society family and you're a woman, are you allowed to be like, uh, I'm not really into that, so I'm not going to go to the school? <laughs> like, are you allowed? Because if you're not, then that is forced labor, you know, rather than voluntary. Which is, like, I've read, I read a lot of comparisons to The Handmaid's right. Tale because, like, women are forced into these specific roles in this society. But I'm like, well, I don't know if we could say that. Because we just that's, don't have enough that's information. True. Yeah. Like, and that's I'm okay. I'm just the assumption that not every woman who is in these situations, like, wants to be there. 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there are some of them who are interested and want to be there, like Danny was for a long time, although she was really in it because she felt like that's what her parents wanted for her. But mm-hmm. I don't know. This is like me going back to the first question. You gotta it's check okay. out those flowers again. It's fine. As I'm just thinking about, like, yeah, this book is timely because it does have a lot to say to, like, things that are going on right now. Like, obviously, gender is a big discussion right now, and gender roles and equality. Immigration's a big topic. I just, I'm kind of like, I don't know if all of this together at the same time in a YA novel works. You think it's trying to tackle too much? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's just like a little bit too much at one time. Yeah. I sound super critical. I did enjoy this book. (laughs) Like, I liked it. I read it really quickly. But yeah, well, it did feel like it, like there was sort of it wasn't going too deep on any of these things that it is exploring. It's sort of like touching on all of them, and we get general idea of like this is bad, this is wrong. Uh, I think I think some of the more interesting stuff. Which I guess this is going into Susan's next discussion question. All right. So, um, Danny is asked to spy for a resistance group called Lavos, um, which is trying to fix that class divide and standing up for the people on the outer parts of the island. Um, because it's 2020 and our whole life is a protest right now, um, it's hard not to think about the current state of America. Um, and the narrative that the, let's just say the right in general is applying to protesters, um, right now calling them violent and thugs and stuff. And we see some of that happening in the book. So I just wanted to talk about that and how this is still true (laughs) right now and how it works in the book, of course, but. So I was going to say. Then I think it's interesting that, uh, their, their resistance isn't like all good here in this book. There, there is like a certain amount of violence going on with the resistance that is like past the point of, I think, the real life parallels. Uh, because I think that like in our country and in this moment specifically, uh, a lot of the violence is being incited specifically by the police, violence being incited by the government. And in this book, we have Lavos is, like, starting things, starting shit, like, setting, especially, like, it really went to another level in, like, the last part of the book when they start a fire in the marketplace and people are burning and dying that was like a a turning point and a point at which i felt like maybe they were going a little too much into the like well there's bad people on both sides 
idea because it's like, I don't know. What did you guys think? Like, I wanted to be able to root for them more, but I couldn't at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I had a, this is kind of like not exactly the same thing, but I guess it's connected. Like, I had a hard time, like, really rooting for anyone because I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like Danny ever really trusted anybody. Like, even at the very end, and I know this is, like, the first book in a series, but this is my whole, like, issue with series. It's, like, I should be able to enjoy this book without, like, having to worry about what comes next. I should be able to read this and, like, feel, like, satisfied at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't feel that way because, like, there was a lot of stuff that was just, like, very unresolved, which is great if you want to read the second book. But if you're, like, I just wanted to read one and enjoy it, like, don't tell, like... I just hate when a book tells me I have to read the next one to, like, get it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but all of that is to say, like, I don't feel like she ever really, like, trusted anyone. She kind of trusted Carmen. But for me, I was like, and I know we're going to, this is the part where I was like, this isn't exactly what we're talking about. And I know we're going to talk about Carmen some more. But, like, Carmen was, like, really mean to you your whole life. And then she was Mm -hmm. just like, I'm sorry, I was scared. And suddenly, like, it's all okay. Like, it's all okay because you think Carmen is hot. Let's just yeah. be real. <laughs> right. I like, yep. I as a reader was not okay with that, you know? <laughs> like, so like, I didn't trust Carmen either. I mean, I also wonder if the really quick forgiveness of Carmen is a realization of like, well, we're going to have to live together forever. Yeah. I think also they were. I don't know, it seemed more they than had, that. like, well, yeah. But it's also mostly because yeah. she's hot. I'm like, there's a difference between, like, I forgive you and I'll tolerate you because we have to live together and, like, I forgive you and let's make out. Yeah. I think different there, levels. there was the fact that her and Carmen had, like, a, br- a brief but strong connection when they first met and Danny, like, never really made another close friend in the way that she thought she was going to be close friends with Carmen at the very beginning of their journey like, at the school, and maybe, you know, like, suddenly having, like, an understanding between them, she just sort of was, like, desperate and felt like, this is what I always wanted with her, so I'm just going to Mm -hmm. throw myself at it. Okay. But. I guess so. I, I agree with you. I was, like, it seems a little bit fast for her to be also just like Carmen really changed her vibe so quickly that that was weird too because it was like why did why is she suddenly changing she was just being a bitch to you like literally yesterday like a minute ago yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly I think that goes really well into this next question about the romance though um you know I'm always thrilled to have some girl-on-girl action happening uh, at this time in my life. But I also felt, and this goes back into what we were just talking about, that it was a little bit unearned because their reconnection happened so quickly that it was hard to understand why suddenly they were, like, head over heels for each other when five seconds ago, Uh you know, and I guess, like, hate can 
make for some passion quickly. But, like, it really went from hate to, like, friendship to love. It wasn't, like, hate to love, which can sometimes happen. Like, oh, we're so angry that we kiss. It wasn't like that. It was, like, you know, which – and I love that. I'm always fond of of that Mm -hmm. trope. But, yeah, I don't know that that I totally bought it, even though – I think we were really supposed to buy it between them. I mean, the um, the language that Mejia uses to describe the romance is some of the most intense language in the book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she gets really flowery with her language when we get into, like, how badly Danny wants to kiss Carmen in moments yeah. like that. Um, so you can tell that, like, this is what was really exciting her about writing this book. Um, so, yeah. And, like, that language to me worked better than some of the language in some of the other sections. Some of the rebellion language felt very canned. Yeah. Like, this is just what people in rebellion say. Yeah, um, for sure. So... It was nice to see her, like, getting into her own book a little bit more in these sections. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, but yeah, like, what, God, what's the name of the rebellion guy again? Sota. Um, Sota. His, like, all of his lines were so bad. (laughs) Like, I wish I, like, okay, if I had a book and hadn't listened to audiobook, I would pull up some of them right now so I could say them because I was they were like Star Wars prequel level bad lines. Oof. Yeah, it was pretty corny. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was like baby's first rebellion. It was like like learning <laughs> how to like like how to think about about wanting justice for people. It for the very first time. Yeah. It just, yeah. It, but, I mean, for a teenage reader, that might actually be, like, that could be the first time you do think about things like that. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, we're, most of us, <laughs> Kelly, how old are you? <laughs> I was about to say we're in our 30s, and then I was not like, yet. wait, Kelly's not, not yet, 30. Pal. Okay. We're in our twenties, our late twenties to mid thirties here. We're millennial. So we're we're all millennial. I will be. I will <laughs> be twenty nine on Sunday. Wow, baby. Um, yeah. This is I, to say we've all thought about these things and experienced, like. But as someone who reads a lot know, of, we all got woke at lit, some point. I just want to say I don't like excusing young adult lit for, um lazy language because i've read young adult that can do it and obviously and as i was saying like obviously like she does know how to like get creative with her language um maybe she just needed to make this a more romancy book and she would have gotten more into it i don't know yeah yeah well to be clear i'm not excusing lazy language because there are some things about the writing that 
bother me, and I'm going to talk about that when I rate this, but what I am saying is, like, as far as baby's first rebellion type thing, like, I feel like I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a teenage reader who might not have thought about that kind of, like, justice and shit until yeah. Yeah. then. That doesn't mean that the I think it's fine to write lazy. <laughs> I just think... Yeah. It's like the first you know. exploration of a concept or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. I talk like the way that a an author would write a young adult speaking. That is my actual <laughs> speaking style. It just like the way you said that made me think about from Bling Ring. I might want to rule a country or something someday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My inspiration. For all I know. For all I know. Yeah. For all I know. <laughs> Bling Ring, the most underrated Sofia Coppola movie. It's true. In the world. It's good. <laughs> I like the Bling Ring. It's a good movie. Maybe we'll go back and do another set about that one day before we do Weekend at Bernie. No. Before? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, that was for um, that was for you, Susan. Yeah. I'm gonna have baby's first rebellion on this podcast <laughs> if we don't do it. All right, I think we know the episode title. <laughs> baby's first rebellion. <laughs> okay. Um, bonus question for fun. Um, because I think we have time. Yeah. I think that this could make a cool Netflix series, but only if it is, uh, like, way more, um, I don't know, intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe with older people, too, a little. But if you're thinking about that, who would you cast to play these two girls? So we're thinking, hmm. like, o- like early 20s? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really only asking this because I kept picturing Carmen as like Kirby or Selena Gomez. Mm. Okay. And I was like, I kind of like that. So. Okay. I'm trying to think. I feel like I'm not, I don't know that many young actresses specifically that many young like latinx actresses young this is sad i would like to put uh barbie ferrera in here somewhere yeah okay we could also we could do i think uh carmen could be camilla mendez aka veronica from riverdale yeah that would work oh yeah I could see that working. Okay. Maybe this question isn't for fun. (laughs) (laughs) You just wanted to talk about Selena. We know. I'm just thinking, like, all the actors I can think about are too old. Yeah. Yeah, that's my problem. We're old. We don't know young people no more. But, I mean, in true Beverly Hills 90210 fashion, you can just have 30-year-olds playing high schoolers. Yeah. Mm, That's true. Selena Gomez is not 18 either. What? She done been through some shit. Yes, she has. Heard about it on her album. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think Sophie, Sophia Vergara can play um, Senora Garcia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mama Garcia. Mama Garcia. Yeah, the sexy older Segunda. I'm just looking at list of actors now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, it's time to move on to rating <laughs> That's that's the sign. Because I don't know when my shit's going to just crash, and I don't even know if what I recorded before worked. So let's just cut to the fucking chase now. All right. Well, we tried. If you know who should play these people in a movie, please write in and let us know because we failed. I'm going to cut so much of that out. (laughs) Please. I I will say, this is Mary. I gave it a three. Because I did enjoy mm-hmm. it. I thought the romance was really interesting and fun. And I enjoyed those parts. I enjoyed all of the, like, setting up the world. But then the actual rebellion part kind of fell flat for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I, this is Kelly. I also am going to give it a three. I, you know, despite me saying that the romance was unearned, like, I am historically a fan of romance and can usually get into the romantic parts of a book. So I did enjoy those parts. Like, don't get me wrong. I was rooting for them as a couple. And I like to read some flowery, kissy shit. So I liked those parts. I just think, I think that the... I wish that parts of the writing were a little bit better, and I wish that the overall world building was better. And I do agree with Emily that um, I wasn't satisfied by the ending, and I felt like this should have just been a longer book if this story was not able to be resolved in any kind of satisfying way within one book. Because it's like, there are fantasy mm. books that are, and like other types of books that are like 700 pages long. This book wasn't that long. Or more. Yeah, like it could have been longer and gotten to a place that was a little bit more of a resolution rather than being like just a complete cliffhanger, pretty much. And I mean, we we have on this podcast, even recently, read books that have sequels. And, you know, leave a lot of room at the end for a sequel, but still have, like, a satisfying conclusion for that part of the story. Right. Like, I would say Ninth House, Katie and the Ninth, both of those felt like complete stories. I would say an absolutely remarkable thing. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Felt complete. I know we didn't read it together for the podcast, but I did interview Veronica Roth and read Chosen Ones, and that is Mm -hmm. also a book that ends in a very satisfying way, even though there is room for the sequel, which is coming. So, it can be done, is the point. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I also gave it a three for all the reasons previously stated. I'm going to leave it at that because I just went on a giant rant about... (laughs) Cool. <laughs> all right i'm the only one left so i'm also giving it a three. Oh, three's across <laughs> wow. the board um, not because y'all did because i already did i actually did rate this ahead of time susan i actually reads, saw that i never do I, I i was checking out your goodreads today i'm letting you know i was creeping on your goodreads stalker 
Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, well, I told her earlier I marked something as want to read just because I saw that she did, and I was wow. like, it must be good. <laughs> well, I went to tell her about it because I was reading about it today, and I was like, this looks like something Susan would really like. And she was like, oh, yeah, I already marked that as to read because you marked it as to read. But. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's on our podcast list to read, Mm -hmm. thanks to that conversation. (laughs) Okay. Um, Anyway, I also gave this a three. Um, I I liked the romance. I, I liked the whole premise of this in general. And I think, like, I don't know. I might even read the second one. But I still, um, my main problem with the writing, I think, was that there was a lot of, like, repetition of stuff that, like, we had been told yeah. a thousand times. Like, how, um, like, however Danny would react to something, it always kind of went back and explained, like, well, she shouldn't do this because premieres only should react this way. Or mm-hmm. there's just a lot of, like, that kind of thing, like, reminding the reader of what the role is supposed to be like, like, rather than, it's like, okay, we've got that, so let's dig further into the other stuff. Yeah. Um, so that got on my nerves after a while, but, um, when I started the book, I thought we were headed for, like, a solid four. It's just, after a while, the repetition got to me, so. Three. I agree. And I, I would say like, also, uh, I can't see the, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I, I would also say like, I would be curious about reading the second one, especially because it's from Carmen's perspective. Um, I yeah. think that would be interesting. And I enjoyed this book enough that I, you know, I would consider it. I'm not like, I have to read the second one, but you know, if I got to it, I, I would get to it. You know, that's how I feel. Yeah. I'd read it. I, read, I marked it as, as to I read. said, I read the, f- first chapter of the second one and you know it's it starts right where it left off and oh man Kelly got a little extra yeah seems like it would be interesting it definitely is a different vibe with Carmen as and like you know I am curious about like how she got into that situation as a spy in the first place, even though also I just, I will add, like, it was so obvious that she was going to be part of Lavo's yeah, the whole she time. She has to be. Like, yeah. she was like, she ha- I have a something to tell you. And it was like, yeah, come on, Danny. Like, we all, know- it's like when, when Bella didn't know Edward was a vampire. It's like, girl, everyone knows. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. I love that this has led us to reference, like, several other very popular YA books from years past. Young adult books. It's been a good trip down memory lane. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta hit the Hunger Games and Twilight. This was our first official discussion of a YA book on the podcast, right? It was. Well, Mary and I it are is, talking yeah. about YA books all the time over at we YA Book Club time. on the blog, so you should just check that out. Yeah. If you like, if you like this. Sometimes yeah. they're nicer than if we were today, more. and sometimes they're a lot meaner than we were today. Sometimes we're a lot we're meaner. Not. We're not very nice on that. We're very hard <laughs> on these YA books, you know, because we read a lot of YA, and so, like, we're not here to fuck around. So nope. you want no nonsense 
no-nonsense reviews. Check us out. Mm-hmm. Great. Not a drop of nonsense. No. <laughs> Whereas today has been well, mostly nonsense, at least for me. Also nonsense. Moving on. What's on the blog? Well, apparently, I'm the only one writing anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I'm going to pull up the calendar to make sure I haven't done anything else since this. Okay, yeah, I do have two blog series happening right now. Um, one of them is Spooktober. It's the second season of Spooktober, so we're calling it Two Spook, Two Tober. Aw, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Also have a new series happening. Uh, this is a little ambitious for me. I'm going to have to do a lot of reading this week to catch up to where I need to be at the moment. Um, I'm doing a horror book blog series. Um, so the first one of that will be out by the time this comes out, if I get back on track with my reading. And, uh, yeah, should be fun. I like <laughs> scary shit. Yay. What else? Is that I, it? No other blogs? That's Mary will have I'm, a post. I'm gonna write something, but I don't want to commit to saying what it is yet. Okay. I mean, to be I fair, think... it's really easy for me because I didn't say what I was gonna write about. I just said I'm gonna write about some scary shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I have something coming up. So, yeah, it could be anything. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> some something. In the in the pot, cooking, stirring it up, <laughs> see what comes yeah. out. What about Petrina? Um, Petrina can write a blog if she wants. We have space on the schedule. She would. She likes to sit on the keyboard. Okay, well, let's see what she comes up with. Since we're we're Just out do of like ideas. the letter E for a full page. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to write my Sailor Moon blog post. But at yeah. this point, I'm like. At this point, I'm almost done with the show, so I'm like, maybe I should just wait until I finish. Yeah. And then write it. Yeah. You should wait. Um, What's next so. on the podcast, Emily? Oh, yeah. So, um, told you all about this last time, but if you didn't listen to the last episode, I'll say it again. I'm very excited about this because I've been waiting for this movie to come out all year. Um, and it's finally coming out. Um, it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, it's based on a novel by Ian Reed. The novel was real weird. And so I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see how they make that into a movie. It's got my girl Tony Collette in it. Um, it looks really cool. I'm excited to talk about it. And it's on Netflix. Did I say that? It's going to be on Netflix. So y'all can watch too. It'll be easy. Yay! Uh, the next yeah. book episode will be finally. Speaking of things we've been waiting for for a long time. Yeah. The second I heard this book was coming out, I was like, "I'm putting that on the list." That was like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now it's here: "The Vanishing Half" by Brenda. Yeah. You may remember our episode on the mothers. 
by Britt Bennett, which is one of my favorite books that we have read. Uh, so I'm very excited about this. And I've heard good things. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard it's very good. <laughs> I heard this uh, this person named Emily who writes for Book Riot put it on her favorite books of the first half of the year um, post that she did on Book Riot. Interesting. She's just just guessing she's going to like it a lot, I guess. Did that that girl named Emily read the book yet? (laughs) She just heard lots of good things about it. So she just went ahead and put it on up there. Interesting. I was like, I don't don't have to read it. I know I'm going to like it. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like I've heard, like, I haven't heard anything bad about it. And I've heard some people say that it was better than her first book. So, and I've also heard that it's very different. Um. Yeah. So I think it's I. It seems a lot more ambitious. Uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm very excited. It spans about it. a greater period of time. It seems like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Should be cool. Yeah. So also, definitely uh, read yeah. that and read along with us. It's all over Bookstagram right now. Yeah. It's it really beautiful. is beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. so hot right now. And it's been on the New York Times bestsellers list for a while. So, but most importantly, cool. it was on Emily's best books of first half of yes. year list. Yeah, the hottest, the hottest list. They'll be the putting hottest. that on That's the what all the people look at. Yeah, they're like, we got to send out a reprint. Emily, That's it made the only Emily's list, list I want to be on. Yeah. Um. Don't tell people that I don't read all the books that I write about. <laughs> this is shocking, shocking news. Um, okay well if you so we didn't have any feedback this week on what was our last other episode or our last book episode magic for liars we didn't have any feedback on that no magic for liars feedback so no i know how you read that book feedback in the moment from todd (laughs) yeah that's right um, so that if you have any feedback for that then. or this or anything, please write to us. We really appreciate your feedback. We love it. We want to hear it. We want to read it. We want to discuss with you. So please, um, you can email us at the squad at booksquadgoals.com. You can find us on social media. We are at booksquadgoals on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you should definitely subscribe to us on whatever podcast app that you use. Uh, you should leave us a rating and review. That would be so helpful. We would love it. Five stars only. Don't even bother if you're not going to leave five stars. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. Our website is booksquadgoals.com. That's where our blog is full of posts from Emily. <laughs> just, just me. <laughs> It's just me and my my mini book. That's series. where Emily's we got blog YA book is. Club. <laughs> our, our our horror blog by Emily. That's what the entire blog is. No, no, we got we got YA book club on there too. We got yes. YA book club on there. Yeah, fine. A little something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And oh yeah, by the way, yeah. stay the fuck inside and wear your fucking mask. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm just going to make an announcement. Please stop traveling when it's not mandatory. Please stop going on vacation. Please stop getting on a plane. Please stop going on vacations. 
You don't need to go on a plane right now. Okay, that's all. Cool. Another person who I'm going to say that to is an this, but you know, better than you. Know.